This is a Thinkers 50 podcast, brought to you in partnership with the Brightline Initiative, bridging the gap between strategy design and delivery. This is Stuart Craner, and this is a Thinkers 50 podcast. I'm talking with Andrew Kakabadze, co-author of The, the Five Qs, <coughs> a, a, new, a new book out now. What was the most surprising thing about the research? I mean, the, the five Qs, IQ, EQ, PQ, RQ, and MQ. When, when you were doing the research, what, what stood out? What's the headline? There were two headlines. I hadn't realised how important IQ was and is. I hadn't realised that everything depended on the compelling argument management's going to make to shareholders, internal stakeholders, external stakeholders, about the direction we take and the structures and approaches we will adopt. The other thing that struck me, and it took me a long time to come to terms with it, was how much verbal attention was given to morals, ethics, and so on, and how little attention was given to that in practice. And that divergence puzzled me for a while. And the reason is there are certain moral problems that an institution or a single executive cannot resolve, cannot solve. And they are forced into a situation of trying to do the best they can in impossible circumstances, but then try and defend reputation or give the best possible image. Now, when you're doing that, you know there's a problem underneath the surface. You know you're going to be judged in a moral way. We have social media. We have all sorts of ways of spreading messages about any organization or any individual. So you become cautious. You do try and make sure that the best possible image is promoted even if it means denying the reality of the situation that you face. So those were the two that surprised me, and the MQ surprised me most of all. Uh, What can leaders take away from the book then? What practically would you like them to take away? Um, What I'd like them practically to take away is, please be very clear on how you use evidence. How do you make that compelling argument that's going going to survive scrutiny? Please be realistic concerning what it takes to come up with a shared view on mission, purpose, competitive advantage, ways forward. This is a fraught process for good reason. There are different alternative views and each one of them is viable, but not together. And the final part is you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested in terms of the sort of organization you've created, the culture that you have nurtured, some of the behaviors and perspectives that you have allowed in different markets. And there is no answer to that other than your resilience and your political nous as to how to put the best picture forward when there isn't a best picture to put forward. Now, if you can do that, you really are an executive that's worth all the money you've earned. And can these five cues be developed? I mean, you can see that I can see that uh, the EQ, the emotional element, I can see you can become more sensitive to emotions, but the morality element, MQ, can you get become better at that or more in adept my, at handling it? In my view, all of the five, Q, five cues are very developable, uh, developable in each individual. Perhaps the only thing that you could say you can only take a person up to a point is the IQ side. Do you have a brain that can handle complexity and make sense of that complexity to the satisfaction of everybody else? And perhaps there are bits here that certain people cannot uh, take forward. But the other four, completely. 
Uh, can you be helped to be more sensitive to others? Of course. Can you be helped to be more sensitive to others and then know how to push an agenda through? Of course. Can you be helped to become more resilient by being more understanding of reality? What it takes in you to become that much more resilient? Be conscious of your own personal weaknesses and how to deal with them? Of course. And can you, be, can you come to terms with different moral positions taken and you have to find your own way through them? Of course. There is one thing that no one can help you with and that is if you don't want these responsibilities. The worst sort of executive is someone who wants the status and pay of a top executive but they don't want the responsibility of working through some of these dilemmas. And that is an ultimate choice. And I have come across executives who do hold senior positions and they don't want to face their responsibilities in front of them and they are an absolute menace because you can see they're leading the organisation into a catastrophe. All around them, people can see that, uh, but nobody dares say anything. Are there cultural differences at play here? I mean, I are there certain cultures where the PQ is they're very adept at it or the RQ is more highly developed or, or are these universals? I came to the conclusion, the ultimate conclusion that they're universals. I started with a view that different cultures help you develop issues in a different way. But when I went from Malaysia to the Philippines to Russia to Ukraine to Oman, Saudi Arabia, America, right across Europe, I came across a special group of people called leaders. And leaders are not the CEO and chairman, they're the board members, they're the members of the CEO's team, and they're also the general managers who are below the CEO team. So you could have an organization of, say, 25,000 people, of which 400 by nature of role are leaders. And what I noticed from Russia to anywhere else is that those leaders face similar dilemmas, similar tensions, similar concerns about them not being able to handle those tensions well, and similar joys when they can. So I've come to the conclusion these are leader issues, irrespective of national or local culture. And these leader issues, if we could only talk about them right across the world, we may be able to resolve some of these problems. There's a very interesting company in Russia, and probably the only company in Russia that has decided it will not bribe and it will not accept bribes, which in Russia is an unbelievable thing. And you know something? They've achieved that. And how do they do it? Very clearly, by showing what is the compelling argument of how you trade when you don't bribe, by having the resolve to face up to all the challenges from government and from other people in the marketplace that you're no longer going to bribe, and installing in the culture of the organization a moral approach which is respect for the individual. This particular company, is so successful, it has gone into multiple businesses, that it today has one billion US dollars that it doesn't know how to spend. It is so successful, but the only company in Russia. Perhaps we could help it spend the money. The, um, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you optimistic? I mean, the, the five Qs undercovers the dark side of organisations and executive behaviour in many ways. But do you remain optimistic about the capacity for organisations and individuals to uh, make the world a better place? Oh, deeply. Um, I mean, you said it yourself, Stuart. It's dark side is one term. The other is realistic side. And that is my view. It's the realistic side. 
And if I look back at academic history, and I just take the term politics, politics in organizations was quite popular in the late and mid-1960s into the early 1970s. And why? And it came from America, funnily enough. Why? Because it was recognized that the work of the senior executive almost mimics the work of a locally elected representative in a city or community. There are different factions to resolve, there are different issues to come to surface, there are different approaches to handling complexity. And for a while, politics in organizations was a respectable topic. And then, if you like, the rationalism behind strategy, get the strategy right, and this is the only strategy that's going to work, took over. And some of these cues then, if you like, went underground. All that the book has done is that it's basically said, realistically, when you're dealing with complexity, it is not just a rational complexity of how do you push strategy one way or the other, it's also engagement. How do you engage with people who hold different expectations, who hold different desires and who hold different needs, but engage with them, you must. So the five cues for me is the epitome of the capabilities required to be a top executive. And the more I have seen executives who capture some of these cues in their daily work and practice, the better I see the organization. So I'm deeply optimistic. Andrew Kakabadzi, thank you very much. The Five Cues by Andrew and Ali Jawad is now available from Thinkers50. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is a Thinkers50 podcast. Brought to you in partnership with the Brightline Initiative, bridging the gap between strategy design and delivery.